Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. Today, we're going to be chatting about Spider-Man comics from June of 1984. That's right. And we are now a month in or two months in to the alien costume saga, you could call it, right? Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, last month we touched or last week we touched on the uh, the first appearance of the black costume in all three Spider-Man comics. And so now we're kind of easing back into our regularly scheduled plot lines, except I kind of forgot about this, but no one recognizes who Spider-Man is. Right. That's, which is kind of an ongoing gag. But I, I don't know. I just I kind of figured like, well, he's climbing, you know, on walls and he's shooting webs and he has the exact same eyes and he has a big spider on his chest but i guess it's kind of smart that they did that what do you think yeah i mean even the fact that he's like he is still swinging swinging through new york but he's like using his fists instead of like his classic like spidey web shooting it's coming from like the the top of his hand so like i don't know there's a bunch of stuff i guess the only thing that does carry over are the eyes i mean even the the spider-man logo on his chest is different Right. So right. I, I don't know. It's I kind of like that uh that people aren't recognizing him. It's kind of like a nice little uh it's like it's like a new problem that he has, right? Right. right Instead of having right. the same old Peter Parker dilemmas and like things stacking up, it's just like another new thing. Like, oh great. On top of all of this, uh, you know, my life is a mess. Uh nobody likes me as a superhero, and now nobody even recognizes me and thinks that I'm a bad guy when they first see me. Right, right. So it's right. fun. Yeah, I, I like it. Now, the other thing that's funny, an ongoing kind of subplot is that, not a subplot, but a behind the scenes kind of thing is, I don't, you've, I'm not sure if you've noticed that they go out of their way to have Spider-Man say, I can't even tell you what happened on the Beyonders planet because it's so crazy. Right. It's because th- those issues have not come out yet, right? And so yeah. either the writers didn't know or they just didn't want to reveal it to the public, right? Because it hadn't come out. So yeah. that's kind of funny. Um, now, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about last week, and I wanted to re- t- touch on this, is that unbeknownst to the general public, the black costume was not conceived or designed by anyone working for Marvel Comics at the time. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so basically, it's a complex origin, but basically, a fan named Randy Schuler, who was 22 at the time, submitted an idea to Marvel, which is very unusual because you're not you're not supposed to submit unsolicited ideas, which basically right. means you know it has to go through lawyers and stuff, and they can get sued if you accuse them of stealing the idea. Blah blah blah. So this guy Randy Schuler submitted this idea, and his idea was that he wanted to give Spider-Man a black stealth-like suit designed by Reed Richards and the Wasp of the Avengers. Now I'm reading this part from Spider-Man.Fandom.com. Um, just so everyone knows that I'm not that savvy at research, okay? <laughs> so basically, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was basically to be more durable and stealth-like instead of his old red blue, red and blue costume, right? Which was made out of just cloth or spandex or whatever. So I guess Jim Shooter liked the idea so much that he purchased the idea and told him that he would use it for a story. Now, can you guess how much Jim Shooter purchased the story idea for? Oh, I, I, I mean, I would hope thousands, but... Closer to two hundred and twenty dollars U.S. Okay. No way. Yes, two hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. Now, granted. Now, just to be fair, 
his concept for the costume was almost exactly what we see now, except that he his idea was that the 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 uh, spider and the eyes would be red. Okay, right. So as far as I know, the um the black and white was designed by Mike Zeck and or uh, Rick Leonardi. Rick Leonardi, who actually drew this month's issue of Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. We'll get back to that in a minute. Now, on top of this idea, it was John Byrne that had an idea in, um, I think it was Iron Fist. He had an idea to give Iron Fist a new costume that would just uh, grow and you know be able to change at a whim without him having to take it off and put it back on. But he never used the idea. So Roger Stern is good friends with um, John Byrne. Years go by and Roger Stern is like, hey, you know that idea that you didn't use for Iron Fist? Do you mind if I use that idea? John Byrne is like, that's fine. So then he uses the idea. So then he uh, adapts the idea for Spider-Man, and somehow Jim Shooter gets wind of this and incorporates it into the idea of how Spider-Man can get his new black costume. But Roger Stern ends up quitting, and/or getting fired from Spider-Man before he can really use the idea, which is why uh, the last couple issues of Amazing have been plotted by Roger Stern but written by Tom DeFalco. Right? Wow. So yeah. So so then Marvel goes on to use this idea. Everyone knows about the famous black costume. Even when he gets rid of the alien costume, he ends up designing a uh, cloth black costume to substitute, right? He keeps right. it for about three or four years. Then everybody knows the famous you know, story that happens after that, which is the black costume comes back and ends up um, bonding with another person in the form of Eddie Brock, which leads us to Venom, which leads us to a few years later, uh, what's his name, Carnage, which leads us to... Now this is decades of stories, okay? Right, and just practically this- everybody in the Marvel Universe has had like a Venom form now. Right, or right, form. exactly. So, at the, okay, now granted, the alien part of the story it was probably Jim Shooter, but the, the, the costume changing came from John Byrne through Roger Stern. And then the, uh, the design of the costume really comes from this kid, Randy Schuler. Now... Guess how Marvel thanked Randy Schuler for giving them this idea besides paying besides. him $220. Guess, <laughs> guess how they thanked him? I don't know. How about not at all? How about they didn't oh. publish his name for like 20 or 30 years until he came out in the, in public and basically told everyone uh, that he was the one that thought of it. And I believe it was confirmed by Marvel. but And they might have officially thanked him in some way or another since then. But the, I think that's pretty low that Marvel waited like – 20 to 30 years to, yeah, to no publicly acknowledge that he was that someone else came up with the idea it's kind of lame but whatever just wanted to point that out because you know i'm all about uh creator rights and stuff like that and this guy right. you know 220 dollars that's outrageous but right and it's not like it was just like some one-off like panel in a comic right. or something this is something that blew up and became like a spider-man icon right, right and right, and right. then from that spun off into like its own character that's you know right. huge i mean venom has his own movie now and, and it's getting mm-hmm. a sequel uh for his movie like that's that's insane right i mean wow. really he should be getting royalties for everything to do with venom everything to do with the symbiote right the carnage right. the planet of the symbiotes all that stuff wow uh but anyway Okay, so lesson learned. Lesson learned. Just like Jack Kirby said, comics will break your heart, kid, right? <laughs> so let's get back to the fun stuff. Let's talk about Spidey in June 1984, okay? Yeah, let's, so, let's do it. Yeah, so we're going to start with um, 
Amazing Spider-Man number 253. Now, the first thing I want to point out about this is that it's drawn by... I mean, we're only one month into Ron Friends' run, and he's already got a guest artist, so I'm not sure what's going on. Right. And we can talk about more about this later, but um, while it is written by Tom DeFalco, it's penciled by Rick Leonardi, who's one of my favorite Spidey pencilers, and we've talked about it on the show before, uh, but did the art stand out to you at all? Yeah, it, it did stand out, but I think specifically because I'm so used to the regular style of amazing that this more like sketchy gritty style um, kind of popped. And not only that, I think it actually lends itself to this story in particular. Um, Right. 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 uh, Like after kind of getting away from the hobgoblin um, story, which is, which was great, but that really felt like, uh, like a supervillain problem mm-hmm. where this feels more of like a gritty street level um, mafia type of story. Yes, right. I think that the art really fits with, with this, um, with the storytelling that's happening here. Right. And, you, and the thing is, is this, the anchor on this issue, I'd actually never heard of him, but his name is um, Bill Anderson. I don't think he's the most appropriate anchor for Rick Leonardi, but his storytelling and his, Oh, his figures are so good that I don't think it even matters, Mm -hmm. which we can talk more about later. But let's just quickly summarize the plot. So basically, uh, we are introduced. This is kind of a cool one-off story. Um, We're introduced to a a football player who's been told that he has to throw a game. And, uh, you know, behind the scenes, we're introduced to this new kind of gangster in New York named The Rose, who's who who will be another sort of uh mysterious figure for spider-man for the next couple years on top of the hobgoblin um meanwhile spider-man or sorry peter parker is um you know kind of getting ghosted by his aunt because she's upset that he dropped out of school right Mm -hmm. and then he finds out that black cat has actually been coming to his apartment and to uh the daily bugle looking for him right right is that mentioned in this issue or another i I think it's kind of like sprinkled throughout all three right Okay. Um, I think the I think the main focus of Black Cat is in uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Right. Um, that's that's when they kind of really go deep into uh, him or her showing up to his apartment while he was gone right. with right. the landlord uh, stopping him in the hallway. Right. Okay. But 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 I think um, yeah in the in, in these three issues they really kind of uh, go out of their way to kind of connect them and and almost like show you that they're happening almost simultaneously right right um i think in this one they even like mention like something weird is going on with black cat she's not really taught she you know she's hiding something right right, right, and then in spectacular we kind of catch up from the previous issue and then we kind of jump forward a little bit so yeah I, i feel like they're kind of trying to like tie up all their loose ends and fit these stories together especially after secret wars um so yeah Uh, yeah so i think yeah in in this story they do talk about uh those issues yeah so basically what the what ends up happening is this football star refuses to throw this game and so because of that the rose orders his goons to shoot him so spider-man kind of comes in to try and save the day and he ends up fighting the rose and all of his goons and then it's kind of uh and then basically at the end the, the football star decides the only way that he can um, get out of this is to confess his his crimes, right, to the right. public. And, uh, however, um, it's not really uh, resolved yet because, um, let's see here, I can't even remember how this ends. 
Well, but his... uh, so th- there's like a there's a reporter that's been working with Peter the entire time. Like when when we start off the issue, we actually see Peter Parker has been assigned to take pictures of this game. And right. uh, there's a reporter there trying to get a story. I can't remember her name. Um, she wasn't uh, like Wendy. Wendy. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, she's kind of also along with Peter for this story uh, every now and then. But by the end of it, uh, she ha- she writes the story of uh, of the the football players confession. Right. And uh, she kind of ends it on, you know, on saying it's a real shame that right. so much talent was wasted like all that potential mm-hmm. is just gone out the window because of a choice that he made and it's definitely reflecting on the fact that peter parker himself has dropped out of school and right. that's kind of a, a waste of potential and i really actually liked how this issue ended yes. um normally i'm not huge on like abrupt endings but i i think that this one was was kind of a nice tie off and, and like showing the newspaper and the confession and the fact that um, you don't get to see Peter Parker's reaction necessarily. Right. It's just kind of left with her words. Right. Uh, I think it was pretty powerful and you don't have to have him like uh, in his head about like, huh, maybe I should take that right. advice myself. Like it's, it's definitely not on the nose. And I love that. You know, you're right. Not only is it not on the nose for a comic book, but it kind of makes me realize that if this was a TV show, I'm pretty damn sure you'd see a reaction from Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. But because it's a comic book, I'm not saying they have to be more compact, but now that I think about it, I've seen a lot of comic books that end this way where it's kind of just the whole thing is wrapped up in one panel, but it has so much impact that it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's good. You know, like... I. I don't know. It's hard to explain what I mean, but um, I don't know. I don't think you could quite get away with this on a TV show so abruptly without it feeling like you're having the rug pulled out from under you. But in a right. comic book, it feels okay. Anyway, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, especially since a lot of a lot of times with the abrupt endings in comics, it's like spider-man is punching a bad guy and then they're kind of like rushing like oh we're running out of pages uh and then he's just kind of like standing over the the limp body that he just beat up and it's like you know like the cops will be here soon and you'll be in jail for you know for the rest of your life pal and then it says the end right like it's just so like so unsatisfying this is this is really nice there's not like this like mustache twirling bad guy that he just comes and punches at the end of the issue. Um, The Rose gets away and it's really more about uh, uh, the football star and, and his like him having to deal with his consequences and knowing Mm -hmm. uh, that confessing and and turning himself in is the, the the right thing to do. Right, 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 right. So yeah, I, I, I really like this issue. Right. So now let's talk about this art because, like I said before, I love Rick Leonardi. Uh, this cover is awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing is that, I mean, I am a, f- a fan of Ron Friends, but I found that uh, I think it's Joe Rubenstein who becomes his regular anchor, and it just makes it feel like generic Marvel to me. Whereas this cover feels like it has such a strong sense of design, you know? Right. Like you have these, you have this guy's arms in the foreground, but they're completely pink, which is the 
comic book equivalent of putting something out of focus, right? So it's there, right. but it's not the focus of the shot. The focus is Spider-Man fighting these goons, you know? So I just think that's a really cool cover. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I like the... I also like the the white background with like the that like splash of color right in your face because it's right. both like it's both out of focus but it's bright enough where you your eye does eventually lead down to it right and and it is like the man clipping the rose and like almost like you know beheading somebody cutting somebody's throat right good point so good point. it's yeah it's it's a definitely a nice like tie into the story and. And it feels very like menacing and, and mafia like, mm-hmm. like cutting right. a rose. Yeah. And also like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't want to say debonoir, but you know, this is the mafia guy, but he's like a sophisticated mafioso, right? Right. Like, with the gloves and like, you know, you see in the comic, he's got the suit and everything. And now as a kid, I thought, oh, Tom DeFalco's a genius. But if you do go back and you read the Steve Ditko Spider-Man comics, I believe that he was just trying to recreate a character called the Crime Master. Have you ever do you ever come across the Crime Master? No, I don't think so. Yeah, kind of a similar, basically just a guy with like a mask, just like this, right? And because and then the Crime Master teamed up with Green Goblin, right? So this is kind of like, well, now there's Hobgoblin and the Rose instead of uh, Green Goblin and the Crime Master, but that's okay. I don't mind. You know, it's still cool. Um, So anyway, I just want to talk about a couple pages. Um, So on original page five, okay. You see this classic shot of Spidey. He's in this um, uh, football stadium, and I love the shot where he jumps up out of the way into the shadows to hide from the people walking underneath mm-hmm. him. And then he changes into Spidey, obviously with the alien costume, so it just changes instantly. And then you see that bottom uh, string of panels where he jumps down, then the costume goes over his fingers, and then that boom, that last shot. I mean... I think Rick Leonardi's anatomy is so perfect that even though you can't see any details of the muscles, I just think that looks so much like a real person's like actual outline. Eh? Like, what do you think? No, it's it's really great. Um, the, the form is is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even him um, in the second panel on, on the bottom row there, like right. him landing on the ground for some reason with that pose, like I can feel the weight of him hitting the ground right and and there's there aren't even any like action lines or anything it's just i think the way that the form is and how it's yes. it's drawn it's it just has a lot of like volume to it right Good and point. again it's there there's no shading it's almost a solid you know yep black blotch on the page but it it really works and this um, i gotta i gotta point out when they did spider-man 3 the movie i think they really blew it with the black costume because even though the main part of the costume is black. They gave him the stupid webs, the, the right. silver webs. It just completely ruins the aesthetic. It's got to be solid black just like this, right? Yeah, like I agree. Big white spider and the white eyes. That's great. But anyway, mm-hmm. and that's Rick Leonardi. Like I said, he co-designed this this costume, so right. he knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, I, and then I, wanna, I also oh, like that, that on this page and throughout the comic, like Spider-Man is a little bit more like thin, Yes, like absolutely. He, he's still like muscular and, and yep. he looks really strong. But a lot of the times in, in these comics, uh, they'll they'll make him like super big and buff right. and like almost as like big as Captain America. Right, right, right. And I think that the fact that he's like a teenager, I guess now he's in college, but, you know, he's like a nerdy, geeky, like 
scrawny guy at first and then even after getting bit by the spider he did build like muscle mass but he wasn't like gigantic right and, and right the, I, so even john ramita senior is guilty of that of making peter parker too bulky whereas mm-hmm. i think here i mean there's such a thing as making him too skinny but here he's skinny but he still has muscles and they look right. accurate right like he looks like I, someone who's in shape I wonder if the costume helps with that too and not having like the defined muscles drawn yeah, in. Yeah, it could be. But uh, yeah, I, I really like how he looks in this issue. Right. And then uh, on the next page, it's another great page of Spidey swinging around. And then in the middle of the page, you see that shot of Spidey holding the web there? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that was used for a corner box for like web or spectacular or something, but I've definitely seen it used before. And so it's just kind of cool because almost every shot of Spider-Man by Rick Leonardi is, is like usable for, you know, marketing or right. posters. They're just, they're so perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm just flipping through to see if there's any more. Um, not really, but yeah, like I said, oh, even like the fight scene near the end, like right. on original page 18, when Spider-Man's leaping through like the crowd of goons and like, kicking and punching them all it's just a great shot i i also really like the the um the confrontation at uh with the mob bosses at the beginning with the football player and right. uh they're standing in like the in like a parking garage or something uh, let me yep. see it's yeah original page seven and eight um okay i just i i love the 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 layout of everything you can really see what's going on and and like you know where they are in space and nothing is lost in the action i think that they did a really great job of this confrontation like they're they're just talking to each other at first they walk up you know they start uh start getting heated and and the football player jumps at one of the guys and Like I, I, you could just follow the entire action of, of how it goes, how it plays out, and nothing is lost on the pages. And I think it, they, yeah, I think that uh, this issue, all in all, was great. Yes, and like the backgrounds, like, I mean, there's a couple ba- uh, panels with empty backgrounds, but for the most part, he puts some nice detail in the background, so you always know what's going on, right? Right, and and I think too because that's when things start getting heated and there's action. Right. Uh, the background is background is no longer needed, and your focus is uh, what's happening. Where before, there's detailed backgrounds because you see he's out by his car, and then you see the other car pull up next to him in the parking lot, and then they get out, and you see the buildings and where they are. And then when they start attacking each other and jumping at each other, that's what's important. And then when that confrontation ends, it jumps back to having a detailed background you can see right. the, the parking garage roof and then the the details of like the sewer and the water leaking down into the to the grate right yeah so point. yeah i really love the uh the layouts in this one too and i should point out that um rick leonardi was actually the regular artist on spider-man 2099 which i unfortunately never really read but uh just because i love his art so much i'm eventually gonna pick it up yeah yeah, yeah maybe, anyway. we'll, maybe we'll have to take a look at that uh, on the podcast one day. I believe we'll get to it one day, 1993, right. one day. Anyway, okay, so I recommend <laughs> this issue. What about you? Yes, definitely. 
Awesome. All right, another classic issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, speaking of, uh, well, actually, no, not speaking of classic, but now we're going to jump to Marvel Team-Up. <laughs> right. Uh, with Spider-Man and Captain Marvel. And Josh, you can tell us what this one's about. Right. So in, in Marvel Team-Up 142, we see uh, uh, Spider-Man in his black, new black costume hovering over this um, science, science fair that's happening or this science museum. And they're talking about this new special uh, foil that's supposed to be a really expensive and really rare metal. Right. And lately uh, there have been a lot of uh, 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 reports of people stealing this metal. So he's thinking that this is going to be uh, a good spot to hang out because he, more than likely it's going to get stolen and sure enough uh these goons show up they're in these like really goofy like golden green costumes right. and they start they show up and they start zapping the place and spider-man swoops in and uh uh stops them from stealing the foil and before he can uh, uh tie them up they actually zap away and they just kind of like vanish into thin air um and uh, then we cut over to Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, as she uh, she has a day off from being an Avenger and she's walking through a maritime museum and she's looking at this. She just so happens to be looking at this rare like ruby or gem where when these guys show up again here and they try to steal this gem and she stops them. And again, once again, they uh, they disappear. Uh, like just kind of out of thin air right um oh and it, so sorry something else important that happens too uh while she's chasing them down she loses her power she right, she's right, right. unable to turn her body into energy anymore mm -hmm. and just at the last second as she's falling to the ground she's able to switch it back on and she uh flies away so she tells the uh the science uh somebody at the the museum that she'll take care of the gym and um we cut over to some bad guys and we're kind of hinted at this like plan that they have that's going to hurt a lot of people and it's mm -hmm. kind of vague um and uh yeah spider-man and captain marvel end up meeting up because um <laughs> i can't remember i can't remember peter because i know i know peter parker uh peter parker's at the daily bugle and he knows that uh there's a story that comes out that captain marvel would just was just fighting some goons that disappeared so he knows that it you know the stories the events must be tied together so he goes to see captain marvel and the bad guys show up again to steal the gem and they're transported. Oh no, no, sorry. He throws a tracker on them when they transport back and they're able to trace them back to their secret lair mm -hmm. where um, there's this machine that opens up to other dimensions and they need the Ruby to channel the like beam of light right. to jump to the other dimensions. And this bad guy um, who's in charge of pride or is like it's like an acronym I, I don't know a population reduction by interdimensional expulsion right so it's like this bad guy's evil plan is that he thinks that the world is overpopulated and his idea is to cut it in half which is very like mcu thanos right exactly uh, 
so he invented this uh this machine that will beam thousands hundreds of thousands of people to another dimension to inhabit inhabitable planets to live their lives somewhere else that's not earth so that way earth has a fighting chance of survival and uh spider-man pretty much just like makes the machine explode and and that's that but uh we're left with a bit of a cliffhanger by the end of it where monica rambeau turns into energy uh presumably something that has to do with this like machine and she's unable to turn back into her human form right she might be in her energy form forever right right i kind of doubt it but yeah yeah (laughs) So, yeah, um, once again, this issue is written by David McElhinney, uh, drawn by Greg LaRock, inked by Mike Esposito. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just another standard issue of Marvel Team-Up. Not yeah. great, not bad. Yeah, it wasn't know. awful. Uh, there, there, I don't think there was really a time where I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Like there, Right. You know, I, I thought that um, Captain Marvel and Spider-Man's stories connected really well. They were kind of like both at separate incidences with these goons and they had to team up together to figure out what was going on. The fact that Captain Marvel was involved and it has to do with like energy and like dimensional stuff makes sense Mm -hmm. and feels right. Um, Spider-Man taking pictures and going to like a science exhibit feels good. Like it makes sense that he would know about this like special metal foil too. Right, right. And it would be something that he would be interested in tracking and making sure that no more of it gets stolen at being a scientist or like, I guess, a, a former science student. Um, so that all felt right. I guess it was just, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it was the dialogue itself that felt a little dry or. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I love David Michelinie, but his di- his dialogue is kind of just, again, standard, I'd call it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not great, but it's not it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just standard 80s superhero dialogue. Right. Uh, and yeah, the plot was definitely fine, but it was a little bit generic in that you could have probably inserted other characters into it and it wouldn't really have changed, right? I mean, yeah. maybe, not, maybe, not, maybe not Captain Marvel, but Spider-Man, definitely. Yeah, but, but, like I, I think it was fine personally. Like I think that the characters felt like they belonged in the story, but they weren't. Right. It wasn't like if they were taken out, the story wouldn't suffer either. Exactly. Right. So, so I give it a mild recommendation, but it's definitely not essential reading. What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel, I feel the same. I, I would, I would recommend this to somebody, but I, um. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much else to say about it. It it was a pretty average issue of Marvel Team Up. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know our feelings about Marvel Team Up. So um, definitely take this recommendation with a grain of salt. Right. Uh, Poor Marvel Team Up, right? I know. Oh, well. And we're almost done. Yep, it'll be over soon. It'll be over soon. Don't worry. Okay, so now let's jump to Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 91. I guess since we don't have a guest this week, I can quickly summarize this one. Okay. Uh, so basically, we get an opening that is kind of forced, in my opinion. Um, Black Cat doesn't even believe that this is Spider-Man, which is preposterous. But okay, so it, it wastes a couple pages, so I guess it gets the job done. 
he convinces her that he's Spider-Man by leaping around and, you know, using his powers and then grabbing her, right? So that, I guess, convinces mm-hmm. her. So now she's fine. And then, you know, he gives the old flashback to last issue of, or to the last month's worth of issues of everything that's been going on, blah, blah, blah. And then we jump over to the blob. And um, so there's this other subplot that's been going on, I guess, picking up from Marvel Fanfare number seven, where Eunice, the untouchable, his powers are out of control. And so it's kind of an interesting scene because he's floating in the middle of this tent and his power to repel things is actually what's holding the tent up. However, Al Milgram's art is so pedestrian that he basically just drew a guy standing up sideways in order to show (laughs) that. So he didn't really get creative with the position of this guy, right? Right. But in the middle of the blob talking to him, Eunice actually dies. And so now the blob is really pissed off. And so he decides he's going to, I guess, destroy New York, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we get kind of a parallel with that um, classic Spider-Man issue where uh, the Juggernaut attacks New York, except this is not nearly as good. And so it's basically an issue of Spider-Man and the Black Cat trying to fight the Blob, not really getting far with him. And, uh, and as we said, the Blob's power is... See, the Juggernaut's power is he can't be stopped. The Blob's power is he's, a, he's immovable, right? He's an immovable object. So right. basically, they fight him and fight him and fight him until he decides to throw a temper tantrum, sit in the middle of the road, and then kind of... He's kind of just repelling traffic around him so no one can really touch him, but they also can't go around him and because he's sitting in the middle of the road. And that's pretty much how it ends. It's kind of like a supposed to be a funny ending, like a wah, 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 where he's kind of just stuck in the middle right. of the traffic in New York City. And that's the end. Yeah. Uh, 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 so <laughs> the I, I, I think the, the big thing with the story, too, is that like Black Cat wants to tell Peter about her powers because he doesn't know yet right so that's kind of what this like issue is supposed to be about but nothing ever happens about it like right and i'm just like is this gonna be the new black cat in the hospital or new uh spider-man doesn't want black cat teaming up with him like is this gonna be a, a an every issue thing where she's gonna she's about to tell him that that she was experimented on, but ah uh, no, we'll wait till next issue and we'll reveal right. it then. Drag just like oh, out. nothing happened. Like nothing changed from beginning to end with Peter and Felicia. Nothing, right. and it's right. so frustrating. Um, I, and and the thing is, I kind of like the stuff with the Blob. Um, he's a, I, I don't know, he's kind of an uninteresting character as a whole. So the fact that they gave him. Uh, uh, an, an interesting like way to be included in the story and and giving him this like friendship and this tragedy that's happened in his life is is interesting and I I kind of want to see that and how it ties into the story and then by the end of it he just he's just sad and, and goes into the street like there's nothing that really happens to make him change or like right. good point stop like I, I think that. I don't even like what what happens like they're they're talking to him and he just gets sad like I don't even think that Peter or Felicia really do anything like he falls into a hole and he gets out and just starts crying in the street 
Right. So yeah, uh, yeah. basically, he, he just feels like because he created a big hole in the ground that he's like, my luck's going from bad to worse. So maybe it's like the the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. And right. then he's like, you know, friends. I, I had a friend, so it's kind of like he basically just starts getting all down on himself, and then he starts crying yeah. basically. The one thing I'll give this comic, though, is at least his motivation is somewhat original, that he's just yeah. upset that his friend died, so that's cool. Right? I mean, he, yeah, he, he's a supervillain. He's kind of known for being a little, like, unstable, and, like, mm-hmm. I think that his powers of, like, being immovable, and the fact that, like, something has happened to him, and he's forced to do something when he's not normally, you know, one to be forced to do anything. Right. Right? Like, the, the fact that this thing happened to him and he had no control over it right right, and his powers couldn't do anything to stop it is like kind of interesting and and you know giving him this friendship and he's like almost like he's the only one who was able to walk into the tent because he's immovable but even like eunice's power of like gravity pushing him back didn't do anything his skin is like rippling Right, and right, he's still right. not moving, and you know yep. he's able to see his friend in his last moments is is really like touching, and uh, yeah, and then well, after that it just kind of falls in, into the classic Peter Parker's the spectacular Spider Man Felicia and and Peter drama. Well, and also the the art is not bad. I mean, the the stuff with her fighting mm-hmm. the blob is pretty creative. Like when Spider Man is like. Uh, you know, trying to attack him and his hands kind of get like enveloped in his like, you know, fat basically. Like there's some pretty creative stuff there. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people complain about Al Milgram's art, but it's actually pretty good in this issue. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, do I recommend it? Again, kind of, I, I actually would rather read this than Marvel Team Up still. I still think it's slightly better. What do you think? Um... <laughs> Oh, I don't, it's pretty close this week. I honestly, I think I liked Marvel Team Up better this week. Really? Surprisingly, yeah. Um, I I think I'm just tired of the story not going anywhere with Felicia right, and Peter. Right, it's right. just frustrating that like it's the same thing every week. Um, I don't know. I know it's, it's oh, like it, it, sorry. Go ahead. It's it's like just like he's just spinning his wheels, just wasting yeah. time, right? Yeah, I agree. But anyway, what were you going to say? Uh, it, it's probably also important to uh, make a quick note uh, for next issue that there is a moment where um, there's this figure in the shadows that's watching Peter fight the blob. Right. And he says something or this figure says something about perfect. Um, uh, this was the, I was going to attack him, but it's better for him to fight the blob and wear himself out. That way there's no trouble when I jump in. Yep. So we're kind so that, of getting a, a little hint of, of what's going to happen next issue. Right. And then we get the setup. So at the end it says, next issue, the answer. Right. Right. So I don't know if that's a play on Steve Ditko's The Question, but we'll find out. Right. But anyway. So yeah, a uh, mild recommendation for me. But again, this is not a comic that I, I don't think I, I might've had it as a kid, but I definitely sold it if I did. So obviously I didn't love it. Right. And I still don't love it, but it's okay. What's your final word? Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think, I think I'm a little biased because we've been reading spectacular so much that I'm like so tired of this story (laughs) happening over and over again that I wouldn't recommend it myself, but I also don't think it was a bad issue. So like, 
if if this is your first issue of spectacular spider-man i would recommend it if you ha- are like caught up at this point i would say you wouldn't miss anything if you skipped it good point good point so Woo. Okay, so the good news is, like I said, I believe Al Milgram wraps up his run around 100. So at the same time that Marvel team-up ends, um, Spectacular is going to get a minor makeover with a new writer. So I'm looking wow. forward to that. Yep. That's going to be uh, that's gonna be an exciting time for <laughs> yes. uh, Spider-Cast, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But in the meantime, stick with us. We've still got some. We've got to complete the Alien Saga. We've got a few cr- uh, crossover issues coming up in future episodes. And you'll notice this week uh, that Josh has designed our new Spidercast logo. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And you can take it from here. Yeah. We also want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, it really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can uh, drop us a line on Twitter at, at HCT Spidercast. Uh, it really helps when you guys keep in touch. Let us know what you guys think about the podcast and about the issues themselves that we're reading. Uh, we really want to keep that conversation going, so please keep in touch. That's right. And next week, if things go according to plan, we will have a special returning guest, Adam Peltier from the Windsor Public Library. So that should be fun. Oh, nice. Yep. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. See you then. Ah!